This is the Love and Sex Unfiltered Podcast. Hosted by licensed marriage and family therapist and certified Gottman Method couples therapist, Sonia Jensen. Let's dive into the unfiltered side of what it takes to create communication, intimacy, and chemistry, not just in relationships with a partner, but the relationship you have with you. Here's your host, Sonia Jensen. Hey everyone, welcome to the Love and Sex Unfiltered podcast. I have a really special guest for you today. It is my husband. His name is Eric. Eric, say hi. Hello, everybody. So I thought it would be really fun because Ophelia is on this amazing vacation to have a new guest in. And one of Eric's favorite topics is the value of independence in a relationship Yes. versus so how do you like balance having your own sense of self and then also being really intentional and connected in your relationship with your partner. So Eric and I, probably by the time this one uh, airs, will have been have celebrated our 16th wedding anniversary, 18 years together this fall. And so I'm going to be interviewing him about his thoughts on independence. So I'm going to have him take it away. So Eric, what was it like being married to me in the early years of our relationship? Uh, I was very much in love with you. So I was willing to tolerate a lot. Um, (laughs) But it also was felt like very restrictive. I'm assuming we're wanting to get direct to yeah, the, go, yeah. I was to super, the dysfunction, right? Yeah, for sure. Okay. For sure. So assume like we had, we had a great marriage. We, both of us love each other a lot. And you're um, saying like past tense. Well, so we talking, do, okay. You know, we love each other. Yes. We still, still do obviously, but, um, you know, but we had, there's all, we had our dysfunctions too. And one of the big dysfunctions was, um, control. Yeah. Know? And it control was beyond just one thing. It was multiple things like, it was money. It was food. It was what I got to do, you know, apart from the family. Um, yeah, like hobbies. Uh, yeah, or just mm-hmm. like having even friends. It was hard for me to have friends. All my hobbies went away um, unless there were hobbies that I could do at home and they were short and they were cheap, you know, hobbies. That's basically what I was limited to other than otherwise I would get uh, the guilt you know, from Sonia that, you know, I wasn't uh, contributing or uh, being part of the family or just disappointed because I wasn't meeting her expectations. So her opinion mattered a lot to me. I was uh, still am uh, (laughs) very much in love with her and I wanted to protect that at all costs. So I was willing to set aside my, you know, my, my needs for the sake of the relationship, which I knew, which was what I wanted more. Well, and and to give some context, we got married when I was 18 and you were, what, 22 at the time? Watch, everybody's, do, everybody's doing math to figure out how yeah. old we are now. Yeah, um, I just turned 22. Yeah. yeah, you just turned 22. And I come from this really, you know, conservative home where, you know, my dad was the primary breadwinner and the woman stayed at home and took care of the house. And like everything was about going to church and it was about trying to take care of the family. And so I had a real uh, restrictive view of what I thought relationships were supposed to look like. And I also had a really huge fear of scarcity when it came to money, when it came to time. And I was always very worried that I was we were never going to have enough. Um, and I didn't know how to control it or understand it. Um, And the influences I had, I think, in my life at that time all told me that it was okay to 
ask you to kind of give up those things for the sake of the family. But I think in recent years, um, we've kind of learned that that didn't work for us. And do you want to share what that transition was like? Yeah, it was it was painful. And I knew it was going to be painful, which is why I had put it off for so long. But as I was getting older and taking on more responsibility and making more money, but still dealing with the same restrictions, I started feeling very resentful. And I just felt like, you know, the need for freedom in that situation. And I just was no longer willing to to tolerate it anymore. So I started uh, advocating for myself. Um, it took, it, it, it was baby steps, but I was making progress though. Um, and I escalated, you know, to bigger and bigger things, uh, more and more freedoms and privileges to do you want to give a couple of examples of so, like how you had to kind of, we had to work together as a team and it didn't always feel like we were a team trying to move towards giving each of ourselves our own level of independence? The first big one was advocating for a personal budget for myself because we yeah. have a joint account. We've started off that way because I was terrible with managing money and had very little discipline. And so I needed Sonia's discipline um, in management of the money to keep us in line because she got me out of a really bad debt situation and credit situation. So I appreciated that for her and I needed her for that. And it took a lot of years for her to reform me with that. But it got to the point where I needed I needed to be able to spend some money. You know, I was I, I hated having to ask permission to spend, you know, even 20 bucks on something. It just felt humiliating for me as I got older. So um, I think it was like 200 bucks is what I advocated for myself at the beginning. And we fought hard over that. Sonia did not want me to have that money. But I, at the same time, I was like, you have $200 too. Like I get $200, you get $200. We're working on our budget. We can afford this now. And even then, it was, Sonia was very reluctant. Um, but I've, I've been, I just kept working on her and working on her and finally got her to agree. And there was fighting involved, but... Well, I think that was the biggest the biggest turn of the events yeah. when that happened. I mean, I think the biggest issue is and and realizing it now and studying couples counseling and working with a lot of couples is I really created this environment that actually bred lies. Uh and then I would punish him for like withholding information from me. And it was this really kind of nasty dynamic where I needed to be in control of everything. And by not giving him any sense of freedom or having collaboration in those decision-making processes around hobbies and friendships and, and finances, even his health and well-being, um, you know, I, I created, in a sense, the problem uh, of the lies that were, were soon to follow. And we really, I think the struggle for us was finding forgiveness Um and allowing him to have a valid, a validated story, I only felt self-justified in, in the way that I would treat him uh, because he would lie. And, and I had to slow down and I had to look at myself and say, what am I doing to create this? I would, I would assume you would agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, when I, when I think about this podcast and what I want all of you to take away from it is... I, I think 
especially in early marriage. You know, we hope that our partner is going to be everything for us, or at least I did. I mean, he was going to be my best friend. He was going to go along with everything that I wanted. He would want for no other friends or other hobbies outside of just staring into my beautiful eyes all the time. Um, She's not joking. (laughs) That's seriously seriously what I thought. Um, So independence is this idea that you can be your own person and that when you bring your whole self to a relationship, you actually make it better. And I think the relationship you have with yourself sets the tone for every other relationship you had in your life. And not and getting married super young and not really getting really good premarital counseling, I just kind of assumed that we would just make it through together. We'd figure it out. And we really lacked intentionality in learning ourselves and I went through this whole process in grad school and even after um, when I decided I knew I was going to specialize in couples therapy, I really had to take a deep dive look at our relationship and see what I was doing to contribute to the issues that were happening in the relationship. I mean, all of us contribute in some way to the dynamics in the relationship, even if maybe you feel like your partner is the one most to blame. How you respond, how you set up the environment also creates the dynamic as well, or at least plays into it. And so I had to get off my high horse and I had to really spend a lot of time studying myself, my old patterns, my old narratives, maybe that I pulled from my family system, right? Um, I remember watching my mom constantly be worried about money. Like if we If we ever asked for like new clothes or whatever, it was like I had to go to work. I started work when I was like 14 um, and I had to pay for all my own school uh, clothes and school supplies because there was always this fear of of money. So I I took that fear of scarcity into our relationship. Uh, I just always felt like there was never going to be enough. Eric grew up very differently than I did. I did. (laughs) You did. So let's talk about, Eric, some tips that we can help couples with to navigate building their own sense of self. The first one being getting counseling is a really good way to go back and look through your history and figure out why you think what you think, why you do what you do, why you feel what you feel. You've had the opportunity to take part in counseling. What was that experience like for you? Um, So I didn't go to counseling until like a couple years ago. So Mm -hmm. this was actually last year. So I was going for other reasons, kind of going back into explaining dysfunctions that I'm that I'm dealing with based on what happened in my childhood. Right. Uh, yeah, I grew up in a cult and had very restrictive parents, so mm-hmm. I was dealing with that, and and it was helpful. It kind of validated a lot of things um, for me. I, it labeled the things that um, I was able to label the things that I was feeling and put a name to them. It probably also helped to understand how your upbringing kind of made you more susceptible to being controlled in a way and not really fighting it or feeling like it was normal. Yeah. I, uh, I, I felt like I also made a lot of progress um, on, in support groups actually uh, Mm -hmm. with that and just seeing, hearing from other people experiencing the same thing um, and discussing it and, you know, just validating my own experiences through their their experiences and mm-hmm. vice versa. That was also really helpful. So, indi- but, so individual counseling mm-hmm. um, is really helpful. I would think that the second tool is learning some communication tools. And, and the big thing I had to 
allow you to do was talk. I had to, I had to shut, I had to shut my mouth and I had to really listen to understand your perception of the dynamic that we were both a part of creating and both a part of maintaining. And then I think you had to do that for me as well. We had to respect each other enough to shut up and just listen. And and we didn't do that very well. We navigated that with a lot of fighting, even sometimes at that point, wondering if we were going to make it, um, if we were compatible. Yeah, there's a lot many gridlocked sessions. <laughs> uh, that's for sure, where we're just... Neither of us were willing to 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 sacrifice our stance, and um, that's that was tough. <laughs> and and the third thing, um, being and like Eric said it earlier, is you have to start small. I mean, sometimes I when people, at least in my office, and I know probably in Eric's experience, you want that freedom, so you just want to you kind of want to push away all the boundaries that you've been given and the control you've been set. Um, but you have to realize the person, and I'll speak for myself here, that um, uses control. We control what we don't trust. So I didn't contr- I didn't trust money. I didn't trust Eric. I-, I didn't trust in being alone. I had no sense of self. So I was controlling all these things that I didn't trust. And so when you take all of that away, you really destabilize uh, a person. So starting small and building tiny things in there, right? Like if, if you're looking for the sense of self where you get to go do a hobby or have time with friends, um, you know, start with one hour a week or I don't know, depending on where you guys are at, like one hour a month where we compromise together to figure out the best needs of both people. Healthy compromise is where both people can identify their core needs, the things that by giving them up would be like giving up a piece of themselves. And then we focus on our areas of flexibility, the things that we are willing to talk more about, things like when something happens, how it happens, who does it. But you have to yield to win. Compromise isn't perfect, but the overall goal of a compromise is a is to make a temporary or partial step forward. So Eric and I kind of learned the hard way that compromise, even to this day, um, it's much easier now, but in those early years, our compromises were very difficult to get through and we had to keep coming back and and reevaluating. Would you say that was true for you? Yeah, the compromises were small at first, but like they were still progress. And I was happy even with the smallest compromises because yeah. I knew I could build on that. Uh, but th- as as we got better and better over time, the compromises started getting easier and easier, and we're able mm-hmm. to. And and then the conversations around you know fighting for what we want or advocating for what we want became so much more efficient. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure. And I was just thinking about how um, one of the things that I had to do with the compromises and and giving you more leeway and having to give up my sense of control is that. I really had to start asking myself what I wanted. If I was going to build a relationship with Eric that allowed him to be his own person, I then in turn had to build my own relationship with myself to be my own person. So I would get mad at him for being able to like just come home and decompress and the house is a mess, right? And I wanted him 
to see things the way that I saw. I wanted him to be upset the way that I got upset. I, you know, if I wouldn't allow myself to to go out and relax and like read a book and, you know, let the house be messy while the kids napped, I needed to give myself permission to find my own identity and to do things that meant something for me and develop that relationship for myself. Are there any other thoughts that you have about what couples can do to navigate um, trying to build a sense of independence versus interdependence in their relationship? I think what the, the method that I chose, which I think in the end worked really well was every time I wanted something for myself, I would find a way to like offer how she can get something of, you know, of same value. Yeah. You know, it's like if I wanted to go um, to see my friend, my old baby buddy in Colorado for a weekend, you know, I would definitely encourage her to go visit her friends and do a girl's trip somewhere, you know? And, and so like anything I wanted, if I was advocating for a budget, I'd say you should have the budget too. So you can spend these things and stuff like that. So I was always trying to like compensate in that way. Like if I want something, you know, I want to allow room for her to have same value as well. Now, last tip for the guys who are like, you know, my partner, I, I tell them all the time, go do whatever you want. Like go out with your girls, go do whatever. And they won't do it. Um, they won't do that for themselves. And they still struggle with control. What would, what would you urge them to do or what advice would you give them? That if they, if they still want if they wouldn't do it. Yeah. Like if oh. you're saying like, I know for me, like for a while, you'd be like, well, if I'm going to go do this, you can go out tomorrow and I'd be like, no, no, like I don't want to spend that money on myself or, you know, whatever. I want to be with the family, but I would never take advantage of oh. those opportunities. What advice would you give for that? I, I think I would actually like, well, for one example, in that situation, it's like where I wanted to spend money, but she didn't want to. She felt bad about it. Um the next time we went to the mall and she found something that she as we're just like, you know, window shopping and stuff. And she saw something that she really liked. And I'd be, and I'd be like, let's go buy it. And she'd be like, no, no, that's too much money. I'd be like, it's fine. We can afford it. And I grab the, you know, the shirt or whatever that she was looking at and just start walking to the register and just buy it. Yeah. You know? So, and then like, she'd have this biggest smile on her face as we're leaving the store <laughs> It just took me like doing that for her, giving her permission to spend. And you were so great about that. Um, for really, it took you really wearing away at me. I know you had to work with me a lot on seeing my role in this. We had to keep communicating. We had to keep compromising. And I think even today, there's still some times where I catch myself having that fear of scarcity and wanting to control again. Um and we've developed so much more patience for having those conversations. So if the first few conversations don't go well, like don't don't get discouraged. And really, if these are super big gridlock conflicts that when you talk about them, they completely blow up. There are some tools uh, that I can teach you in, in communication segments. Um, so be on the lookout for those. But also, it, it doesn't hurt to go get a couple's counselor and talk to them about them stuff, this stuff or educate yourself through books or podcasts like these that help you learn how to communicate more effectively. So don't be afraid to go get help. And also, I'll leave you with one last thing. Without pain, there is no growth. And while it was really painful to walk through this with Eric, it was really painful to look at myself and kind of come to terms with how 
I I was treating him instead of just feeling justified in my own behavior. That pain was so worth it down the road. It didn't feel worth it at the time, but again, without without pain, you can't have growth. So Eric, I'll say this to you. I'm so grateful that you've taught me to be the woman that I am. And I don't think that I would be able to be the type of counselor that I am today if it weren't for you willing to to be patient with me and to work with me and to to really teach me what love was um, and what love is. So I love you, babe. Thanks for coming on the podcast, everybody. I am so glad you got to meet Eric. I'm going to bring him on the next podcast too and uh, looking forward to it. I love you too, Ben. And I think uh, if it wasn't for your discipline, I'd be a crazy uh, person in my 20s. And <laughs> so you saved me a lot too as well. So thank you. Love you. There you have it. If this episode hit home for you, take a second to share it with a friend, screenshot it and share it on Instagram or leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If you want to learn more tips and stay connected with Sonia, follow her on Instagram at the Sonia Jensen. And if you want to find more information, you can check out her website at www.sonyajensen.com. Until next time, remember, stay real, stay unfiltered, and dig deep.